Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast and tonight I'm going to be talking about uh, an exceptional book, uh, The End by Ian Kershaw. Um, It's a book that uh, I think gets far too little attention uh, because it addresses such an extraordinary uh, extraordinary valid thesis um, about the reasons for the the way um, the the war in Europe ended uh, as it did, and, and Ian Kershaw kind of posits a, a series of uh, of questions to begin with. He says, essentially, almost very very few countries, if any, um, fight on to the, the the moment of utter destruction the way Germany did. The the writing was on the wall for the Third Reich uh, for at least 12 months before the, um, the, the before the country was occupied and Berlin was razed to the ground. Also, um, most regimes, when a leader is losing the war and threatening the very survival of the nation, will remove the leader. This doesn't happen in Germany's case. And he asked himself, why not? Why is it that uh, the generals 
failed in this undertaking. Um, and in the final chapter of the book, he tries to answer some of these questions. And I thought it would be kind of useful to look at what conclusions Ian Kershaw comes to. Um, so this this may run over to a kind of a several part podcast because obviously there's a lot to say. He begins. This book began by pointing out the extreme rarity of a country being able um, and prepared to fight on in a war to the point of total destruction. It is equally rare that the powerful elites of a country, most obviously the military, are in a way unable or unwilling to remove a leader seen to be taking them down with him to complete disaster. Yet, recognised by all to be taking place and increasingly to be inevitable, this drive to all-enveloping national catastrophe, comprehensive military defeat, physical ruination, enemy occupation, and even beyond this, moral bankruptcy, was precisely what happened to Germany in 1945. The preceding chapters have tried to explain how this was possible. They've shown the long process of inexorable collapse of Europe's most powerful state under external military pressure. They've also tried to bring out the self-destructive dynamic, by no means confined to Hitler, built into the Nazi state. Most of all, they've sought to demonstrate that the reasons why Germany chose to fight to the very end, and this was capable uh, and was capable of doing so, a complex, not reducible to a single easy generalisation. So he begins to talk about the uh, the Allied demand for unconditional surrender um, from 1943 onwards. This was a prerequisite of any um, uh, of, of, of uh, any end to the war. There would be no negotiation with the Third Reich. So this told the the kind of the the senior figures in the Third Reich there was essentially nothing to lose. Um, there would be uh, no a quarter for them. There would be no mercy for the Hitlers, the Himmlers, the Heydrichs, the Goebbels and the Goerings of the world. Um, unconditional surrender meant uh, agreeing to any terms that were placed in front of Germany. And this would probably mean the handover and trial of war criminals. It would perhaps mean the dismemberment of Germany. Um, one uh, very useful piece of propaganda that fell into the, the lap of the Nazis was the Morgenthau Plan. This was um, Franklin Roosevelt's Treasury Secretary, Henry Morgenthau, who proposed that Germany be reduced to a kind of a pre-industrial sort of state, that Germany would have its uh, ability to create uh, a fur um, further arsenals of war and industry in general removed from it, and, and it would become essentially uh, an agricultural peasant country. Um, of course, this was largely unworkable and not something I think that Roosevelt favoured at all, but Goebbels hung upon this and said, look, here's, here's the, um, the consequences of giving up now. This is what have we, we have to fight on. So, uh, Kershaw writes, The Allied demand for unconditional surrender, often seen as ruling out any alternative to fighting until the end, provides no adequate explanation. German propaganda, of course, exploited the demand in its ceaseless efforts to bolster the will to hold out, claiming that the enemy, West and East, intended to destroy Germany's very existence as a nation. 
but ever fewer people in the last months have we seen believe such messages, at least as regards the Western powers. So I believe the the need to fight on was an elite need. It didn't necessarily affect. Um, it didn't wasn't it uh, wasn't bought into by the whole population. There was obviously a huge and justified fear of the Red Army of the uh, the possibility of of, so, uh, of being occupied by the Soviets. But for the most part, um, the uh, the ordinary Germans didn't look on unconditional surrender to the Western Allies, particularly as being. Uh, a, uh, a fate so terrible that it necessitated the total destruction of the Reich. More significantly, writes Kershaw, with the implications of the policy for the regime's elite. Certainly, unconditional surrender was grist to Hitler's mill, ins uh, insistent as he was that there should, could be no consideration of capitulation. An, uh, an unconditional surrender did make it impossible at the end of the war in the West which most German leaders, though not Hitler, would have been prepared to negotiate without uh, also ending it in the East. The British and Americans in the West were never going to entertain the possibility of a separate peace. They, uh, any decision to negotiate in the West meant an automatic capitulation in the East. The uh, British and Americans in the West would never stop fighting if it meant that the the Soviets would be left twisting in the wind. Not out of any love to the Soviets, but out of an understanding that this had been the war war policy since 1941, uh, 1942, really, I beg your pardon, and that um, to break it now uh, in 1945 would have been uh, un unthinkable. Even the Dönitz administration following Hitler's death rejected this option, uh, rejected the option of surrendering to the Soviets, um, since it meant condemning nearly two million German soldiers to Soviet captivity, until Eisenhower gave it no choice in the matter, thus ensuring that the war went on for a further eight days of bloodshed and suffering. On the other hand, the demand for unconditional surrender did not lead to any reconsideration by the Wehrmacht High Command, uh, of German, uh, German strategy from early 1943 onwards, insofar as any overall strategy existed beyond an ideologically framed self-destructive drive to hold out to the point of total perdition. It provided useful justification for fighting, um, for fighting on to the end, but it was not the cause uh, of the determination to do so. So we have to then uh, look at what other factors were there that were um, really driving this determination to uh, fight on to the end. Um, the claim, writes Kershaw, that it undermined the possibility of the resistance movement gaining wider support and a greater possibility of toppling Hitler also remain, remains a, a doubtful proposition. So there was a, one school of history that, um, that suggested that one of the problems with um, the demand for unconditional surrender is that um, groups um, like the Kaiser Circle, for example, who might possibly have been able to offer an alternate vision of Germany to um, the German people, 
or perhaps even the uh, the, the bomb plotters, the military conspirators. Um, there was almost kind of no point in them doing that because um, the Allies would not would not have um, entertained anything other than complete capitulation. A new regime being able to take power and cut Germany's losses, end the war as quickly as possible. That was not going to happen. Total capitulation, occupation, and possibly partition of Germany, which of course happens in the end anyway. Um, these were the only conditions that the Allies were going to accept. Um, in any case, writes Kershaw, the uh, unconditional surrender did not, of course, prevent an attempted coup d'etat. Stauffenberg and his co-conspirators in the bomb plot of July 1944 acted in full awareness of the Allied demand, and had they succeeded, would immediately have tried to seek for peace terms. But, of course, those would not have been possible. There were no terms that they could have sued from. Uh, and most of Hitler's paladins and numerous generals would have been willing, as we have noted, at one point or another, to parley their way to a settlement. If Hitler had agreed, uh, undeterred by the uncompromising Allied position. So they would have had a go. But again, the fact that the Western Allies, who might have been interested in compromise in some some areas, were held rigid to uh, an alliance with the Soviet Union, where no compromise would be entertained, meant that anybody trying to negotiate with the Western powers uh, and the Soviet Union would have found very quickly that this wasn't possible at all. And once again, we would have returned to this position of unconditional surrender. So, uh, and, uh, although unconditional surrender was undoubtedly a factor in the equation, writes Kershaw, it cannot be regarded as a decisive dominant issue compelling Germans to fight on. Churchill himself later rejected the claim that unconditional surrender had been a mistake, which should prolong the war. In fact, he went so far as to state that an alternative statement on peace terms, which the Allies had several times attempted to draft, would have been more harmful to any German attempts to seek peace, since the conditions looked so terrible when set forth on paper, and so far exceeded what was in fact done, that their publication would only have stimulated German resistance. One of the theses that um, was, was put forward by Ian Kershaw is that after the July bomb plot of 1944, the final destruction of uh, opposition circles in Germany meant that there was nobody, uh, no if other effective force to replace um, Hitler uh, and therefore to take the country in a, a different direction. One of the reasons why um, then increase the increasingly unpopular Führer, um, who was not the kind of figure of adulation that he had been in 1940 when Paris had fallen, but somebody who was who had clearly uh, brought, brought destruction on the country and whose name was cursed by many many Germans, though obviously not in public. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, the reason why he is not removed is because there is literally no meaningful alternative. Um, there's nobody to, to take his place other than perhaps one of um, Hitler's own uh, henchmen who um, were considering the uh, the act, considering the possibilities in, in the final days, um, the people such as Martin Bormann. Um, but we'll come on to back to that uh, perhaps in this later on in this podcast or or in a subsequent one. Allied mistakes uh, uh, in strategy and tactics, right? Ian Kershaw can't be um, aren't a kind of a full explanation. Um, he writes: Allied mistakes in strategy and tactics, weakening their own efforts to bring the war to an early end, and contributing to the protracted end uh, to the great conflict also by temporarily boosting the confidence of German defenders, uh, can't be seen as the key factor. Important errors were certainly made and contributed to the inability of the Allies after the Normandy landings in the West and the Red Army's surge through uh, Poland in the East to finish off Germany by Christmas, as they had uh, um, in their early optimism initially thought possible. As we saw in earlier chapters in the West, the divergence in strategy aims between Eisenhower and Montgomery, underpinned by their personal differences owing to the latter's overbearing personality and some ingrained anti-American prejudice in the British military elite, prevented full exploitation of the breakthrough in France in August 1944, which had left the German Western Front in great disarray. As a result, compounded by the British failure to secure the port in Antwerp and by the disaster at Arnhem, the Wehrmacht was able to reinforce Western defences and bring the Allied attack almost to a standstill for several precious weeks. The Allies never fully regained their momentum and suffered further temporary setback in the Ardennes offensive until March 1945. On the Eastern Front, the Red Army's mistakes in operational planning also meant that a massive assault um, in the summer of 1944 Devastating though it was for the Wehrmacht, did not bring an early end to the war. A bold thrust to the Pomeranian coast, which German defence planners had feared, would have cleared the way for a much earlier attack on Berlin than in fact took place, and could possibly have brought the total collapse long before May 1945. So, 
there were many moments where um, the German resolve was temporarily, temporarily helped by uh, allied setbacks and, and, and errors. But in a way, I'm not sure whether this line of question is particularly helpful. You know. um, it doesn't really explain why Germany fought on to the end anyway. Uh, and I, I don't find it totally convincing that um, the, the Allied failure Arnhem gave uh, lots of Germans a, a renewed sense of hope. I'd find that uh, highly unlikely. Um, also, uh, and Kershaw writes about this, um, the question of you know, what, had happened, what would have happened if the, the bomb plot had succeeded. Well, what would have happened if the bomb plot had succeeded is Germany would have had a military dictatorship. Um, and there would have been um, still a demand for unconditional surrender. Um, and this would have been um, uh, something that the, the, the West, the, the German um, military uh, leaders would have tried to subvert by trying to seek uh, unconditional surrender and trying to seek some kind of accommodation with the, uh, the Western allies. Um, there would be very little chance, I think, of the, the Allied powers uh, really granting that. Um, Kershaw writes, with Hitler dead, the leaders of the successful coup would have been faced with the choice of either accepting the terms of complete capitulation or fighting on. Probably they would have felt compelled to agree to total surrender. The war might therefore have been over in July 1944, with the saving of immense bloodshed that occurred in subsequent months. The majority of the loss of life in Europe in the Second World War happened in literally in the, the last six months of the war. Um, and this is quite common for in, in the, the, the final phases of wars to be the most violent and bloody. But what would the military leadership, especially in the East, have agreed? And would Nazi diehards, most notably the SS, have gone along with it? Sure that by a new stab in the back legend focused on the image of the dead, heroic Fuhrer, portrayed as killed by his own officers when leading Germany's fight for existence, powerful internal forces might have resisted and even toppled the new government, and civil war might have ensued. I, I would imagine that would be highly likely, uh, as is often the way with, with the, these sorts of things. In the nature of things, writes Kershaw, the endless fascination of such what-if speculation can provide no answers. This book has attempted, therefore, to assess not what might have been, but what, but what did in fact happen, and to evaluate on the basis of reasons for Germany fighting on to the end. Um, on the basis of evidence presented in early chapters, it's time to draw the threads together uh, of an answer. Um, so here we, we get into looking, setting aside the counterfactuals and looking specifically at um, what factors drove uh, the, the, the will to fight onto the end. Um, the, the, pub, the, the population at large by 1945 um, was plainly not in favour of the regime or Hitler and there was little appetite for further conflict. Um, the people have no confidence uh, um, any longer in the leadership from an internal report, one of many cited uh, in March 1945. The Fuhrer is drawn more strongly by the day into the question of confidence and into the criticism. 
the bonds with Hitler, writes Kershaw, at the top and the bottom of society had, it is true, at least in the short term, been strengthened in the July 1940 in July 1944 by the failure of Stauffenberg's bomb plot. As we saw, there was a surge in Hitler's lagging popularity among the civilian population and among frontline soldiers to go from the letters home. And most of the generals, even those who were far from regime enthusiasts, were utterly dismayed by the attempt on Hitler's life, as their private diary entries and remarks, uh, not meant for public consumption, demonstrate. But apart from this brief resurgence, Hitler's popularity had been on the wane since the winter of 1941, and by 1944 to 1945 was in free form. Since significant reserves of his popularity did remain uh, among a dwindling minority of the population, though, to be sure, um, a minority that still held power. By early 1945, however, support for Hitler was very low. The bomb plot had a strange effect on Hitler's popularity. It was something that um, aided Hitler's popularity because of the sense of national crisis. Um, people, even people who didn't like Hitler, thought of all the times to be getting rid of the leader were very frightened about the Russians coming and this is not the moment to be getting rid of the leader and also um, who has the right, what, what general has the right to decide this for the nation. Um, by now the Nazi party was widely hated, um, writes Kershaw. As Goebbels admitted the party was largely played out well before the end. Um, the target of bitter resentment as its functionaries disappeared into the ether, abandoning the population. It was well understood that many of the chief war criminals, many of the party functionaries, who um, most Germans understood to be utterly corrupt, um, were packing their bags and making their exits and heading and getting, getting their passports for Uruguay and Argentina ready and uh, disappearing uh, along this, this long pipeline out of the country. If you go back um, maybe a year, uh, listen to my in my interview with Guy Walters, he'll explain actually what that, uh, how um, Nazis escaped uh, over the Alps to Italy and then from there to South America. It's a, f a fascinating conversation. Despite intensified efforts of propaganda, the reports reaching Goebbels spoke with a clear voice. Propaganda could do little or nothing to counter what people were seeing with their own eyes. Its gung-ho messages were increasingly scorned by a population yearning for an end to the war and inexorably turning against the regime which had brought such misery upon Germany. There's little to be said for the view that the people's community retained its cohesion and integrative force behind the war effort. The much-wanted people's community had in fact long since dissolved as it became a question of save yourself if you can. The idea, this, the Nazi idea of the Volksgemeinschaft of everybody striving in one direction for the national interest um, and the idea that if all Germans uh, act in unison then Germany can accomplish anything. It had crumbled during the war because it evidently wasn't true and as Kershaw points out it was a um, it was destroyed by desperation by the idea that uh, uh, that Germans must now 
be in survival mode. Okay, so we're going to continue with this analysis uh, into uh, a subsequent podcast, probably sometime next week, uh, and we'll look further at why Germany fought on to the end instead of capitulating. So thanks very much and good night. And do remember to check us out on www.explaininghistory.org. And if you're able to sponsor the podcast on Patreon as we survive on a thin sliver of generosity from our sponsors. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.